You can be seated. Wow, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord with one another this morning? I am so excited, you know. I, every time we get to come into the house of God, to me, it's an exciting time. I love to be with you. You know, I, I always put out there on Facebook, I love being with my church family. I want you to understand, I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love being with my church family. Amen? Awesome. Well, here we are. We're getting right into the Easter season, and that's always exciting and fun. I want to invite you uh, and encourage you to please bring somebody this Easter with you. Bring several people in here this Easter with you. Every Easter is always packed and full of people. But you know what? I believe that we're going to begin a new season as a church, moving, starting this Easter season. So I'm encouraging you, bring someone with you. It's going to be a fabulous time. But we're going to get right into our message, our new message series this morning. And it's called, I Deserve It, right? Think about that. I deserve it. It's, it actually comes from John chapter 8. And uh, I wonder how different we would look at the world that we live in today if we all received what we deserved. Think about that. What if all of our salaries were the same? What would our prisons look like if we were all receiving what we deserved? Would good guys always finish last or first, right? Whichever way you want to look at it. You know, we are going to take a look at things that we actually deserve, that God's forgiveness spares us from. This week we're going to start and we're going to take a look at the topic of condemnation. Next week we're going to look at rejection. The following week we're going to look at being counted out. And then the last week we're going to look at death. But we're going to get right into this this morning in John chapter 8. But I need to ask you this question. How many of you can honestly tell me that you have ever been caught doing something wrong? Right? Think about that. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. If you didn't raise your hand, you've now been caught doing something wrong. All right? We need hands. We need fingers. We need toes. We need to put it all up right now. Because we've all been caught, right? You've been caught lying. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Don't look at your spouse, please. All right? You've been caught lying. You've been caught uh, cheating, maybe in school, right? You've been caught cheating on your taxes, right? That deadline's coming up. I know you're excited about that. But we've all been caught in different things. And it stinks to get caught sometimes, doesn't it? Because then the reality of your failure kind of hits you right smack in the forehead. And it says, you know what? You are what? human. We've all probably been there. You know, have you ever been caught gossiping about someone? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've all been there, right? You know, I, I love this because I've got kids and, uh, you know, growing up, you know, you're not supposed to get, you know, if you're not supposed to eat chocolate and then, you know, the kids got it all over their face and you look at them as a parent, you're like, were you in the chocolate? And they're like, no, not me, you know? But yet the evidence is all over here. But my question is, why do we even ask them, were they in it when we know they were? Right? It's like, regardless, you're going to get punished, regardless of your answer. We're going to look at, I deserve it. We're going to look at a woman in the next few moments who got caught doing something. We're going to read through her story. We're going to break it down verse by verse. And we're going to understand what really took place here and what happened with the captive audience that was being ministered to in the moment. What happened to the woman who was being ministered to the moment. And then what the challenge was that was brought to her to move 
beyond what maybe her mistake was. You know, we've all been caught regardless. This story has a, uh, a one-way subject line, so to speak. But we can look at this story that we're about to get into as starting in verse 2 in John chapter 8 and understanding that this is an example of us. This is an example of you and I in our everyday walk. Let's take a look at verse 2 here. And this is what the scripture says. At dawn, i got to stop there for a second. I've been debating whether or not I'm going to bring this point up. But I figured, hey, why not? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot for it here. At dawn. All right. We'll go a little further. Jesus. At dawn, he, speaking of Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where, watch this. This is, so prof- this is prophetic right here for the future of the church where all the people were gathered around him. Understand this. At dawn. What time did we start church? 11 a.m. This is like my funny, but yet I'm trying to stab you in the side at the same time, right? At dawn, the people were in the temple. At dawn, the people were at church. All right, I'm going to leave that alone. Thank you. I'll get emails on that one later. All right, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. Throw up verse 3 and just leave it up there for them for a second. Now, understand this. I find this interesting because here we have Jesus. And the scripture says at dawn. So as the sun's coming up, he's already there at the temple. The people are already there that, that, that are there to hear his message and, and to be taught of the greatest man to ever walk on the face of this earth. Who, who will, no one will ever surpass him. And they're there to hear his mind-blowing prophetic teachings that are there to challenge and to change lives. It's kind of like he's in maybe in a small group setting or a life group setting is kind of how I picture it. So he's there, he's teaching them. And in verse 3, here's where it kicks in. It says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Stop right there. So you have all these other ministers. That's how I'm going to group it together here. All these other ministers who are teaching the law, who are teaching, and, and they're intimidated in this story about Jesus. They're intimidated, why? Because the attention is going from them as being the hierarchy, so to speak, to now being the subjects. And so they're intimidated by this man. And it says, and the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are these guys, you know, they probably got, they're, they're, they're decked out in the robes, right? They got their robes on. They probably got their hats going on. They got tassels hanging off. I mean, this is a moment. They're, going, they're thinking in their mind, we are about to definitely back him in the corner, and there's no way he's going to be able to escape out of this right now. It says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now, understand this. We're at dawn. Remember, the scripture says at dawn. The sun's coming up. So before now, and try to work with the timeline here in your mind if you can, but before this moment, these men went out looking for this woman who chances are had the reputation. Let's just face it. This is who she is. This is what she's about. She's an adulterer. She goes in. She, she tries to wreck marriages. She, she allows herself to, to, to be used by men. Now, what I find very interesting about this is that the scripture is really one way here. Because last time I, well, regardless, two people were involved. Right? Two people are involved. 
the man is completely left out of this topic. And that's for another season, another message, which is very disturbing to me. But the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman. It says, caught in adultery. Now, I'm thinking in my mind, we think, well, they probably allowed her to give her a moment to get clothes, to get herself, put her face on, right? You know, get the way she's supposed to be, and then we're going to take her. No, they were, this was a hostile moment. Because they were trying to prove. They were using her as a subject. They were using her as an example. See, this woman's already been used by men so many times. Now she's being used in the spiritual realm by men again. You know, I often think sometimes how we as followers of Christ who, who and I've been big on this here lately, are absorbed or caught up in this cultural Christianity where it's popular and it's encouraging to say that we're Christians, but yet we don't necessarily always do the part of being a Christian. But how many times do we act just like these Pharisees and these teachers of the law when we begin to gossip and murmur and talk about one another because of the faults that we might have? We are just as bad or rather just as guilty as what these men are. Lord, can you believe what she has done? Can you believe the money that he has spent? Can you believe the outfit that person wore? Can you believe what they let their kids get involved in? Are you following me? Can you believe the language that comes from his mouth? Can you believe the substance that he allows to take into his body? Do you believe the people that he allows himself to be surrounded with? We have become such a judgmental society, or rather church, that we are missing the true teachings and love and compassion that Jesus is trying to show us through his scriptures. I think in this moment that this lady probably did not have a chance to get herself appropriate. It says that she was caught in the act. No, please put it back up. She was caught in the act. Let's go to verse 4. They made her stand before the group. So here you have this woman who was caught in the moment. The man apparently has been left alone. They drag her to Jesus, to the temple, while he's sitting amongst his, the people who are wanting to hear his teachings in his life group or small group setting, so to say. At dawn... This is all premeditated. There's nothing by accident here whatsoever. They bring her to him. Chances are, I, I don't know how she's clothed, but I'm guessing it's not appropriate. So this woman's extremely embarrassed now at this point. Number one, she was caught. That was probably embarrassing. I mean, think about the most embarrassing thing that you've ever had happen in your life. We've all had embarrassing moments. I couldn't imagine the embarrassment that she's in right here. So here she's embarrassed, number one, by being caught. Number two, she's not getting even an opportunity, most likely, because the scripture doesn't really point it out. We're getting a snapshot here. But most likely, she doesn't even get the opportunity to get herself right. They take her to the temple, which means what? She had to go by people. She probably had to go through the streets. There's another embarrassing moment for her. And then they take her to the temple inside and present her to the group and present her to Jesus. Let's go into verse 4. And they said to Jesus, teacher, 
This woman was caught in the act of adultery. Let's go on to verse 5. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, let's stop there for a second. Again, this is premeditated. They knew what they were doing. They knew who she was. They knew what she was about. And they were going to make an example of her while trying to back Jesus into a corner here. To discredit him. Because they knew either answer he was to give was going to be an answer that wasn't going to line up and be appeasing to the people. So it says, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? Let's go to verse 6. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus did something very interesting here. Very profound. He didn't say anything, really. The scripture says, but he bent down. And he started to what? Right on the ground with his finger. Now, this is, now, you guys have heard me speak this message before, at least once or twice. And, and every time I kind of go the same direction here, and I'm going to continue to go again right now. We do not know necessarily what Jesus wrote on the ground that day. There, there, there's, there's no proof of anything there. I, who knows what it was? Other than many believe that he began to write down the sins of the people that were the accusing party. Jesus didn't even have to open his mouth in this moment. All he had to do, you know, sometimes silence is the best tool, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes it's best to be quiet before you allow that tongue to rattle off. It says they were using the question as a trap, but what did he do? He bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, let's go to verse 7. When they kept on questioning him, in other words, they were not getting the answer they wanted. They were getting very frustrated or frustrated. That's a little joke for some people. All right. But they were getting upset here in this moment. Because Jesus wasn't giving the answer that they thought he should be giving. It's kind of like you and I. When others around us might be living a blessed life or getting blessed in different aspects of life, but yet we see how that maybe they're living their life and we become angered and we go, how is it, Lord, that they're getting what they don't deserve and I'm not getting what I want? And so what do we do? We begin to become murmuring and we become complete, you know, start complaining and, 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 and getting all just twisted out of sorts, so to speak. And so it says, when they kept on questioning him, I can hear it now. It's probably a mob of them. Come on, Jesus. Come on. We need to answer. We need to answer right now. You know, because after all, if, if he would have said, you know what? You're right. Let's stone her. The, the law of Moses says stone her. So let's stone her. They could have been boom. You know what? He's not that full of compassion as what he says he is. If Jesus would have spoke out of his mouth and said, you know what? She deserves death. She deserves to be stoned because that in that day was a judgment for being caught in the act of adultery was death. She deserved to be stoned to death. If Jesus would have said that answer, they would have said he's not full of love and compassion like he says he is. He's teaching a false doctrine, so to speak. And Jesus knew this. 
So he stayed quiet. He stayed silent in this moment. Scripture says that what he bent down and he began to, to write. And maybe what he was writing was the sins of the accusers. And they didn't like that, so maybe they were trying to get his attention more to get away from looking at their own faults, their own problems. I don't know about you, but I've got faults. I've got problems. I've got sin. I've got things in my life that, that when, when God looks down at me and says, Pastor Kevin, hey, I, I expect more of you. We've got to do this better. That I have to go to the Lord continually and work on. Father, help me. You know, maybe you have issues with, with your temper. <laughs> if you have little kids, sometimes that can happen. Amen. I'm going to amen myself. All right. Maybe you have like this woman with the, with the issues of adultery. You have the lust of the eye, that issue. M maybe you have issues of, 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 of uh, not showing compassion to people. You don't show love and, and different things to, to, to even your loved ones. Maybe, maybe you have issues when it comes to the cursings and the things that come from your mouth. Maybe it's the rotten attitude that you display to others sometimes. See, we all have issues. We all have things that, that we need to work on continually, that we need to look at ourselves spiritually in a mirror and say, God, show me. What, I, what you want to work on in my life and help me to stop being distracted about what I think others need to work on in their own life. In other words, Lord, help me to mind my own business here. It says, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, and I love this, least any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, First answer he could have gave was let's stone her. Let's stone her. She deserves it. The second answer he could have gave, given was let's offer her grace. Let's offer her mercy. Everything's going to be okay. Let's pat her on the back and send her on her way. And then they would have been like, oh, now you're going against the law of Moses. Now you're saying your teachings are greater than God's teachings, which we understand that's true anyway, don't we? Because he is God. So it's one and the same. So what's powerful here, though, is this. He says this. He says, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, what I want you to understand here, this is something very interesting. This is one of these golden nugget moments. But in the original translation, what it meant was not only if you're without sin, but even if you've never thought about sinning. Wow. Wow. That should speak to you. That should jump out to you in your spirit right there. He says, not only if you've not sinned, but even if you've never even thought about sinning, in other words, be the first to throw a stone at her. Let's go to verse 8 here. It says, again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. You know, here's how I picture it. Jesus is being asked. This woman's being thrown to him. He says, what are we going to do with her? Law Moses says, you know, we can need a stoner and all this stuff. And, and you know, I don't know. I, me, I would have been like, oh, man, they're, they're putting me in a corner. What, am I, what are we going to say? How, how's, how's this going to end for this girl? This isn't looking good for her, and it's definitely not looking good for me either right now. 
But not Jesus. He calmly stoops down. And he says, and the first time, he's writing in the sand. And they continued to pester him. Continued to pester him. It's, it's kind of like this. I, I, I try to put this together as best I can here. But it's kind of like with my boys. If I come home uh, from, from work or, or you know, uh, other activities that I'm involved in in the community. And they want my attention. So they're like, daddy, 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 daddy. You ever notice, like, when your kids are talking to you and they're pestering you, you get, you get numb after a while. Let's just face it. You get numb. You're like, it's just white noise in the background filling the air. You know? And at first, it's easy to what? Ignore. Right? At first, it's really simple to ignore. At first, it's like, uh, they'll, they'll stop. Even though you know they're not going to stop. Oh, they're going to stop. It's going to be fine. Whatever. And, and so you continue to go about your business, but they keep going, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And right now it's Minecraft, Daddy, Minecraft, Daddy, Minecraft. You know, we've got to build a fire station. We've got to build a helicopter. we got to, you know, and I'm just like, I don't know this stuff, man, you know. And it's like, Daddy, 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 Daddy. I've become a Minecraft expert. I'm just going to tell you right now. Not really, but I try. And so just Daddy, 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 Daddy all the time. And at first, that white noise is just white noise. You know it's there, but you don't pay no mind to it, no attention to it, because you're, you're busy doing what you want to, get, to do to get accomplished. So they're asking Jesus what to do, and he's down there, right? He's got the answer. He's writing, most likely, in the ground. I'm thinking the sins that the accusers have, have done, and they just continually stay in his ear. I think this is one of those moments where Jesus was like, I've had enough. Get out of my face. So he gets up and he says, you know what? If you've never sinned before and if you've never thought of sinning before, throw the stone. Then he sits back down. And he starts writing again. I'm thinking he said it with a little attitude, with a little sauce behind it. All right? I don't think it was just as nice and calm as we read it. Jesus said, blah, blah, blah. You know? I think he was just at his end point right there going, you know what? Get out of my face. Okay. Again, it says he stooped down. Don't you love my interpretation sometimes? Again, he stooped down and he began to write on the ground. What was he writing? Let's go to verse 9. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. And the woman was still standing there. This is interesting to me. So, exactly, why is it that the older ones left? And then it went down like, you know, in order, chronologically. Started writing their names, maybe, but with the sin that they've been going through. And maybe the older ones go, uh-oh, he's not at my name yet. Maybe if I get out of here, my sin will now not be exposed. You see, there is wisdom with age. And all the older people, generation, says amen. Okay, some of you are liars because you're saying, I'm not older. I ain't saying amen. So at those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. 
This is awesome. Now, it says, this, now understand this. This is the teachers and the Pharisees or the accusers of the woman. Remember, he was originally with what? A group of people in the temple who were willing to what? Hear his teachings, wanting to, wanting to be taught. So I don't believe it was just Jesus and the woman only. I believe that the ones who left were the accusers because they were mad with one another and themselves. And so they began to leave. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus speaks and when Jesus gets involved in our situations, many times the accusers, the ones who are trying to bring defeat and deceit into your life, has to what? Flee has to begin to leave and to get away. And who is still there? The ones who are strong. The ones who are the followers. The ones who are the encouragers. The ones who are the faithful. It says, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing. Now let's go to verse 10. Jesus straightened up and he asked her. He said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Condemnation. Sometimes we have those thoughts of, I'm not good enough. The life that I've lived, the things that I've done, the actions that I have taken, and, and, and the sin, the reputation that I have, and the, the things I allow myself to get involved in, surely God can never use me. I deserve condemnation in my life. I don't deserve to stand up here every week and come in here every day of my life to lead this church. I don't deserve it because of the sin that I've allowed to enter in my own life. But Jesus, I love that part. I love when Jesus gets involved. Because when Jesus gets involved, it doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter the sin that you've been caught up in. It doesn't matter the things that continually have trapped you up. It doesn't matter what your reputation is or what your past has consisted of. The moment we allow Jesus to become involved in our life, everything becomes brand new again. Now, he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, no one, sir, she said. And this is what is awesome. He says, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Neither do I condemn you. Verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, remember, they're there. We have proof. The accusers are gone. All the other people that were originally there are what? Still there. I love it when Jesus gets involved. I say this all the time. The moment we speak the name of Jesus, every what? Demon has to flee. The moment Jesus gets involved in our situation, the only problem with this is that we don't allow him to be involved in our situation sometimes. If we would just begin to allow Jesus to become involved in our everyday life situations, how much more oh, easier how much more better, how much more fulfilling life would be. 
It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will what? Never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. You know, go to verse 11 for me, if you would. I want to point something out. There's two words here that mean a lot. And they are, go now. Jesus declared, said, go now and leave your life of sin. Go now. It wasn't this 12-step process that you got to go through. It wasn't you got to have so many counseling sessions. It was immediately, go now and leave your life of sin. You know what the problem is? Is we love when Jesus gets involved. We love when he gets involved and he begins to set things up. And, and just like with this woman, the accusers, what, were now gone. We love that part. The part we don't always enjoy is to go now and watch this. Leave. Leave. What does that leave mean? That means drop it. <laughs> this is so stupid, but I'm going to say it. It's like the prophetess Elsa says, let it go. <laughs> Somebody... We've been listening to that in our van. All right? It's stuck in my head like you would not believe. Let it go. I don't know what these things are in your life that you have been carrying around with you. That for some reason you think you can't get... Listen. I'm going to say this plain and simple. I do not condone drinking. All right? I do not condone it. All right. But I will say this. Some of you have such a problem with it. That you get involved in it and you get so drunk on it. And then you have actions that do not reflect God's word for your life. And then you wonder why things get so messed up. The problem is, is you need to leave it because it's the very thing that's causing you to stumble. Some of you are looking real hard at me right now like. Some of you might have an acquaintance with someone of the opposite sex that you have a strong urge and attraction toward. But it's causing you to lose the passion that you have towards your spouse. And now it's causing conflict because now you don't feel as close to your spouse, nor do you want to feel as close to your spouse. And your attention's going to someone else why? Because you don't understand when God said, go now and leave the life of sin. Are you following me and hearing me? We must begin to drop those things that are the very things that are a hindrance to us, that are causing us to slip up. The woman in this moment, Jesus says, go now. And then he looks at the people and he says, listen, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Excuse me. What? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I am the light of the world. 
We live in this dark world that we have. This, this, this world that we live in isn't... You, you, you see it every day of your life. You're faced with it every day. Of, you're faced with temptation like you wouldn't believe every single day of your life. Right smack in front of your face. Substance. Looking with your eyes. Having uncontrollable urges and, 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 and thoughts that are going through your mind that are causing you to slip up. This was probably one of those weak moments for this woman. She, knew, she didn't know how to handle it. She didn't know how to deal with it. Jesus says, just go now and leave it. I love what Paul says, and I say this all the time to people when they tell me that they're struggling with something. And I say it in my messages. He says, look, I have to flee from it. I have to run from it. Some of you, you need to start running. Just keep running. You need to run from those things that are causing you to slip up. You need to run from those things. Because you know why? Because we get it in our heads. I deserve condemnation. And do we deserve it? Probably so. Yes, we do. But then Jesus' grace and his mercy then gets involved. His grace, his gifting of grace and mercy, his sharing of grace and mercy, his compassion, his love becomes involved in our life. And we can have those moments where he says, neither do I condemn you. Now go now and leave this life of sin. I want you to stand with me this morning. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this. Therefore... Now there is no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. I don't know what your past has been. I don't know what the things are that have tripped you up in your life. But I want you to understand this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I, I wish that I would treat Jesus like my boys treat me. Daddy, 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 daddy. Until I get them or give them my attention. But the thing with Jesus is the moment you say, Daddy. Yes. What? What do you need? I'm going to take care of it. What's going on? What do you need? There's power in that. There's power in that love. There's power in that cross that he died for. Died on for our sins. There's power. There's power in those arms that were stretched. Across that tree. That represents there's no ending to his love. There's no ending to his compassion. There's no ending to his grace. There's no ending to his mercy. Romans 8 and 1. Therefore there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Now Jesus says I am the way. The truth and the life. Who is truth? What is truth? Truth is Jesus. What is the way? The way is Jesus. What is life? Life is Jesus. Now, I don't know this morning what you've been tripped up on with the things that are causing you to fall, the things that are disrupting your walk with the Lord, the things that are causing you maybe to drift away from this man Jesus and relationship, the things that are causing you to, you know, You you can say, Pastor Kevin, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm saved, and I know I'm saved. 
But Pastor Kevin, I, I, I'm, the guilt, the condemnation that I'm, I'm wearing is just getting so heavy on my shoulders. You need to understand. Jesus said, no, do I not condemn you also. He's not condemning us. He has no condemnation toward us. He's not looking at you going, you're worthless. You continue to fall over the same thing. He's not looking at you and saying, you have no talent, no ability. I don't even know why I put you on the face of this earth, even though maybe you're thinking about that. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't look at you that way. He doesn't look at you and say, oh my gosh, are you ever going to get it through your thick head? He doesn't look at you and say, there's no hope. This is ridiculous. I just throw my hands up. No. He looked at you just as he looked at this woman and he saw his daughter there before him, hurting in the most embarrassing moment of her life. But the most embarrassing moment of her life became, became the most transforming moment of her life as well. When Jesus became involved. When she looked at her sin, she saw who she was, what she had become. And I believe truly in her heart, she was repentant of what had happened. And I love with the people that were there. I wonder what was going through their mind. All of a sudden, they're hearing this great teaching. And all of a sudden, these people come busting through the doors, being disruptive, throwing this woman in front of them all, who's probably not looking appropriate. Throwing their sin up in front, in front of all these people. And they say, all right, what are we going to do with her? They're probably thinking, we're going to see a stoning today. It's going to happen right here, probably. And Jesus got involved and changed a life forever. I wonder what them people thought when they left that day. Wow, that was an amazing moment. Wow, we saw the love of Christ in that moment. We saw somebody who was this become this right in front of our eyes. In that moment, they saw somebody who was death be brought back to life. So the question this morning and the challenge for us all is, what is it that you continue to condemn yourself over? What are the things that you look at your life and you're like, maybe, man, and you might be a follower of a Christ, and I hope that you are, but you might say, but it's like, it, it, it's all the time, Pastor. I can't get over this stuff. It's a struggle right now in my life. I really need an answer. I really need God to help me with it. You know, he said to do this what? Go now and leave it. The problem is, is we're all right while we're in here, but the moment we come out the door, we get back there in our regular life, we pick it back up again. See, there's people in your life, maybe you need to cut them out. Maybe they're the ones that are dragging you down with them. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe it's the things that you're bringing into your home. And you go, well, I got to have it here just in case. And that just in case becomes what? I need it. And then you go to it. I, I don't know what your struggle is. I just thrown out a couple of examples. But Jesus does. 
God knows what you're struggling with. And he's saying, look, I don't condemn you. Go now and leave that life of sin. It's very simple. The problem is, is you've got to let go of some stuff. You've got to cut some stuff out of your life. You come in each week and you want to, uh, that moment with God, and you want to grow in Christ, and you, you don't want to be like Jonah, and, and, and you know, you, you want to build the temple back up and, and take those giftings and talents and abilities that God has given you to use for his kingdom, but then we get back out into life and we allow ourselves to fall again. And then we go, well, God can never use me. Well, your attitude stinks. We've got to change some things up. You've got to start weeding some stuff out of your life. You know, we think, well, God just needs to pluck it out for me. No, you've got to do your part. He did his. You've got to do your part. You've got to begin to take things out of your life that no longer needs to be there. You need God, give me the strength, give me the boldness, Lord, to take Father right now. In the name of Jesus, I, I pray this over every person in this room. Because, Lord, there's sin in all of our lives. And we all get tripped up and we all fall over things continually. Father, right now, boldness and strength to pull the things out of our life that no longer need to be there. Lord, that we will not be captive any longer of the things of our life that are pulling us down and keeping us away from your purpose and plan that you have for us. Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So every about every eye close, I want to ask you this question. We'll do a little differently this morning than I have in the last couple weeks. And I want you to look around, but I want you to say, you know what, Pastor Kevin? This is a moment of truth right here for you. This is a moment where you have to, you need to understand, this is a moment that could be life-changing forever. This right now could be the moment that you've been wanting God to get involved in for so long, that you've been wanting God. Watch. Think about this for a second. But you could say, Pastor Kevin, you know what? I, I have things in my life that no longer need to be there because they're causing me to fall. I have things in my life that are causing me to trip up. There are things in my life that are causing me to, to get further and further from the plan and the purpose and the will of God for my life. But it's hard. It's, it's just stinking hard right now. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. But I need Jesus. I need God to get involved. And I'm willing to do that today. If that is you, all I want you to do is slip up your hand. I see those hands. I see them all over this room right now. Wow. You can put them down. I saw it. I saw that hand last second. I saw it. Wow. Now I'm going to ask this question this morning. Don't worry, we're going to pray about that in a minute. Now I'm going to ask this question. If you can say, you know what, Pastor Kevin? I need to know this Jesus again in my life. Or maybe I need to know him for the first time in my life. And I want Jesus to be my number one. I want to be saved today. Today starts a brand new journey for my life, for its existence. 
for eternal. If that is you this morning, I want you, all I want you to do is just slip up your hand. I see those hands. I see those. I see that one. I see them. Wow. You can put them down. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. God, first of all, I pray for the individual that says, I need to be saved. I need to dedicate that life. I need to dedicate my life to you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those individuals, God. Give them the strength and the boldness to live that life. Give them, Lord, the spiritual disciplines that they need in their life, Father, Lord, to, to live in that relationship with you today, God. This is exciting. This is a joyful moment. This is that wow factor. So, God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that there's individuals in this room today who are saying, Lord, today you become my number one. Today, God, I give my life over to you. Today, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Father, I thank you right now. But Father, for the rest who had their hands raised as well, God, there's issues that are represented in this room this morning that people are having a difficult time, a hard time overcoming in their life. And, and in their mind, it seems so impossible. But Lord, we know that all things are possible through you. We know, God, that once you get involved, Things change. So God, change right now. Lord, help them understand we must break the routine in order for change to become adamant in our life. So today, Lord, the routines are broken. Once was is no longer. Today, God, is a new start for so many people in this room. My heart is joyful right now. Because, God, you're doing a work. You have challenged your people. And today, Lord, a change is happening. Today, Lord, a routine has been broken. So, Father, we love you. And we thank you, Father. So, God, as we continue this Easter season that we're in and we're celebrating what you've done for our eternal existence, Jesus, what you did for us on that cross, let us never lose mind, our mind from that. Let us never lose our focus from that. Let us always be reminded, Lord, of what you've done. Father, we love you. We praise you. As we leave this place, Lord, we ask that the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, Lord, will be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer in Jesus' name. And God, as we leave this place, we give our blessings, our offerings, our tithings to you. May it continue to grow your kingdom. And we love you. And the church says, amen. amen. Hey, we love you guys.